And in a weird way, I sort of think it's akin to the fact that I started in sales operations rather than marketing operations makes me a better marketing operations person. A, because things are all now today coming together into sort of revenue operations and having a holistic view of the whole company. But to be able to approach measurement of marketing with the sales KPIs in mind and the you know sales metrics in mind, I think was really helpful for me. Welcome to the OpStars podcast, where we talk to revenue operations pros at the top of their game so that we can collectively support each other through the sharing of ideas, learning best practices, and discovering innovative new strategies. I'm your host, Don Offos. Thanks again for joining us on the uh, OpStars podcast. I have with us Nani Schaefer. She is the CMO of Channel 99. And what does Channel 99 do? What, what is your elevator pitch? Yeah, good. <laughs> a hard hitter to start for sure. So <laughs> Channel 99, we're a B2B performance marketing platform. At a very basic high level, uh, we're aiming to help marketers understand how their channels and their vendors are impacting uh, in terms of engagement and revenue, their, their sort of highest value. So a little bit of a, a flavor of attribution, but more of a modern take on not getting into kind of the uh, the nuts and, and bolts of the, uh, you know, specific dollar allocations, but really thinking about, again, kind of that high level, how are my channels and vendors influencing what's happening to my target accounts? And fundamentally, I think the question we're aiming to answer is where should you be spending your money, which is a, a question I think every every marketer strives to be able to answer. Oh, yeah, very much so. Awesome. So normally uh, on the podcast, you know, I've, I've gone through a lot. You know, one of the things I always try to touch on is is talking about the history of your career and you know where where you got your start and where you where you moved on to. Where I think m- most people would know you from would be the time you spent at Demandbase. You started out in in product marketing, moved up to being the VP of account based marketing, which is like running account based marketing in an account based marketing company, right? And then this is back when like account based marketing was pretty new and and fresh as a topic so like what what was that like and part of your career progression of like being able to you know do account-based marketing in a, in a company that's known for account-based marketing yeah so really thrilling frankly potentially once in a career kind of an opportunity where people talk a lot about you know creating categories and i think that's something we all aspire to and again think that we're doing it in, in a lot of places. But for us at, at Demandbase at that time, it really was a time of defining what this new era of account-based marketing was. And, you know, still to this day, I think of account-based marketing as good B2B marketing, right? So it's not necessarily like we were reinventing the wheel in terms of the overall expectations for what, you know, B2B marketers should be thinking about. But it was an exciting time to wrap some true definition around it and to be able to help um, marketers kind of understand the steps that it took to be successful with implementing an account-based marketing strategy. So when I started there, I started, gosh, in 2014, I think early 2014. And um, actually, technically, I think I started in sales operations there um, before kind of taking on a little bit more of the marketing operations role, product marketing, as, as you mentioned, and then ultimately kind of landing in, in a account-based marketing role, but it was a really nice time to be involved at at kind of all levels because the thing about account-based marketing that's so interesting is it does span the entire marketing department. And so it was funny that toward the very t- 
tail end of my path at Demandbase, I you know, took on officially account-based marketing when really for my entire time there, the whole team was based marketing. So that's why we never really branched it, branched it off. But yeah, you know, like I say, I think it's a really important foundational skill set. I think it's something that is still expanding, that's still being modified and thought about differently and and sort of taken to the next level by really smart marketers. And so I will, you know, always have a, a special place in my heart for, for account-based marketing. I'm a you know, true believer when it comes to that being the right approach for B2B. Right. I, I can remember, like, I think that approach was really starting to take off while I was at SalesLoft, right? And so, you know, and the thought that marketing operations and sales operations are very closely linked, you know, a lot of what we were doing from the, like the SDR side was taking that account-based approach. So rather than, you know, having an SDR have one template with one theme, that you're, you're sending to 20 people at the same time with the same title of the subject, the email, you know, the, the account-based approach made you step, take a step back and say, okay, I want to have uh, persona-based uh, cadences that are aligned to the title of the person I'm trying to reach out to. So, you know, the VP of revenue operations is not going to be the same message as a, you know, revenue operations analyst. And, you know, you're not obviously not going to send the same message to a VP of marketing as you would a marketing analyst. And so you started at SalesLock, we were really trying to push the concept to our customer base because we wanted them to think about, hey, you know, from a marketing angle, you don't want just a singular message going to multiple people. You want a tailored, you know, persona-based, title-based, you know, message uh, with different subjects uh, going to that person so that you can really, you know, uh, take that account-based approach when you, were, when you were prospecting. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so much in ABM that is common sense, right? Yep. And I tend to think as well from the, from the marketing side of the house that it really was about modifying our behavior and our mindset and shifting that to mirror much more the reality of what the sales team was was being faced with. And so we couldn't afford any longer um, to get away with, to your point, generic messaging and a sort of one size fits all. Let's just get it out there in the world and hope for the best. Um, it really it's it's an it's a fun opportunity to think deeply about how would I want to be sold to. Right. Yep. What is it that I would want to hear? What are my pains? What are my challenges that I'm going through? And again, not to go into this sort of like meta thing, but it was especially fun at demand base where we were marketers selling to marketers, right? And so yeah. there was a certain level of confidence that we had in outlining the challenges that we were facing because we were seeing them ourselves, right? And so that was a really exciting kind of um, thing for us. And it's the same at Channel 99 for me now. It's part of part of the a big part of the reason that I'm here today is that you know we're trying to solve a problem that I have faced my whole career. And so yep. it's really exciting to be a part of that and to care deeply about, you know, what your product does and how your customers are using it. And that's something that any marketer can and, and should be doing, but it's especially easy to do when you're, you know, selling to yourself. Exactly. No, that, that's so true. And then now you're the, the sale, when you, when you took the sales ops role at demand base, you know, way back when, uh, that was, that was your first sales ops role, really, correct? Correct, correct. I'd actually, I'd come off of, previous to that, I was at a uh, digital textbook company called Course Smart for several years in marketing there and a couple of different, you know, I started, I think, technically as some type of an analyst and 
or sort of researcher and then took on events and social media uh, as every young marketer is forced to do at some time or another and um, and thoroughly enjoyed it. But I um, when it came to our event strategy, this is such a like funny story. I really did love coming out of our events and thinking about just the mechanics of how we were communicating what happened at the event to our sales team. And that involved sales, right? It was, how are we going to track this? How are we going to measure this? How are we going to understand this? How are we going to, you know, make a baseline? And I was so captivated by that in a way that I don't think even I appreciated, but um, my my uh, sales ops counterpart at CourseMart at the time recognized that in me. And when he moved to demand base, he <laughs> was like, you should be in, in <laughs> So it was just funny that someone else kind of saw that that light in me. Yep. I do and to this day I you know it's the area that I think I'm most passionate about is the sort of measurement and analytics and um performance uh, uh you know an understanding of performance within marketing in a numerical way. I just think it you know makes so much sense and is weirdly thrilling to me. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh you know Similar story for me, you know, I was in sales all the time in, in, in my career. And then I had a VP of sales that I had worked for a couple of times. And uh, it was, you know, it was, we were going through layoffs and he let me go. Uh, but he told me, he's like, look, I'm going to, I'm going to be a reference for you, but only if you don't go get another sales job. He's <laughs> like, he's like, everybody turns to you whenever they have questions about Salesforce, you're the one, you know, that's running reports and creating you know, dashboards and campaigns for everybody. Like no one else is doing it. You do it. And he's like, you're really good at it. So he's like, I really think you should shift and, and go find a sales ops job. Yeah. Like I'll help you do it. Yeah. And uh, that was, that's, that was the, you know, same, you know, it was the same situation for you where it's like someone else recognized something in me that I didn't know. Yeah. And, and it ended up being a life-changing experience to move into something that I didn't even know was could be a career, right? Like at the time, I was like, sales operations, what's that? How am I going to make a living doing that? You know? It's so true. And I do think, you know, it's funny. I, uh, I've i heard other similar stories before. And there are, I, I think of successful salespeople generally are quite organized, but there's a certain degree to which, right, at some point you become the person who likes the reports more than the sort of like <laughs> makes the numbers flow into the reports. And it's similar on the marketing side, right? That I, you know, love running a campaign, love running a good program, love putting yep. more and, you know, whatever it might be. But I think there's a deep satisfaction coming out of sort of, okay, and what happened, right? And and if you're the type that's really drawn to that, I think operations becomes a really interesting area to to gravitate toward. And I would say that sort of boots on the ground real world experience gives you the context to be able to bring that to to your ops role. And in a weird way, I sort of think it's akin to the fact that I started in sales operations rather than marketing operations makes me a better marketing operations person, A, because things are all now today coming together into sort of revenue operations and having a holistic view of the whole company. But to be able to approach measurement of marketing with the sales KPIs in mind and the you know sales metrics in mind, I think was really helpful for me. And so from the outset, I was trained you know, more in Salesforce than in Marketo, for example, right? And I was thinking about opportunities and accounts rather than, you know, hand raises and and leads. And both can be important and both are, you know, important parts of the puzzle. But I think it was really helpful to sort of start at the bottom end of things of where is this going and how is this impacting our, you know, things in revenue. Yeah. The other thing that I think uh, draws people to to the revenue operations 
career path is the desire to help others, right? So like for me, like I was, I was, you know, sales is very much a lone wolf, you know, uh, you're on your own, uh, you know, CEO of your territory type of role where I was taking it of like, well, gee, I know I'm doing this right. I want to go help everyone else do it right too. And so that, I think that leads to that kind of operational career path as well. Right. Right. That's a, it's a really good point that I always think of operations as sort of, um, you know, three pronged. There's the technology piece of it. There's the performance piece of it where I spend a lot of time and thinking, but there's also process, right? And I think that process element of how do we have repeatable, scalable processes set up so that people can be predictably successful in whatever they're doing. That's a really important element of operations too, that can, can fly a little under the radar as we think about, again, the, the sort of other two pieces are technology where we all know these tech stacks are just inordinately bloated and crazy and fun and um, and just different these days and continuously evolving. And then on the other side, the performance, which is to me the most obvious of the areas of like, is this working? Is this not? Where should I be spending? Be cutting? Um, but yeah, that, that process piece is equally valuable. Yeah. So, and then, and then to go all the way back, I mean, your, your major was in environmental studies, right? <laughs> Makes total sense. So like, <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you had a total shift up of what your major was. Uh, I know, I think you mentioned you were an intern at the California Academy of Sciences, which I totally am jealous of. I would love to, yeah, that would have been an amazing internship to do. Uh, uh, and then, and then you know, you, your, your path led you to where you are, to where you are today. Yeah. So my path from environmental studies, I sort of, I loved the sciences. And I think that that in a way, because actually I started now that I think of it, when I started, I was going to be doing classical studies or something like that. It was all about, you know, Greece and Rome and mythology and reading. And I, you know, and I, I loved history too, but I think there was a certain rationality that came with science and math that I uh, gravitated toward. And, um, and so I moved into environmental studies and um, I really enjoyed my time there. I was, you know, going to go be a marine biologist or something. And, um, uh, you know, coming out of college was sort of faced with two paths. One is, you know, you basically stay in school forever, right? You know, go yep. further degrees and, you know, turn around and teach and, um, you know, whatever it might be, a sort of career path in that direction. Or you kind of just like go and find out whether you, you know, like doing something else. And so really, frankly, with probably less thought than I should have put into it. I tried past B to begin with and lucky for me, completely fell in love. I mean, my first job out of college was that marketing um, analyst job in at, at CoreSmart. And, yeah. and I found out it was really fun. And I have to say, yeah. you know, part of me wonders, I'm like, maybe I'm just enthusiastic about things in general. It's maybe that's a part of my personality, but um, the kind of every step of the way loved learning about, you know, again, whether it was those events or whether it was figuring out our social media, whether it was figuring out how we were going to measure our performance. And then, you know, moving to demand base was such a transformative time. I had a very, um, you know, important and impactful conversation with my CMO at the time, Peter Isaacson, about, you know, what I wanted to do in terms of my long-term career. And Again, almost for lack of anything else, it was like, well, I might as well be you one day. I'll be a CMO. <laughs> so he was very, very helpful with, you know, getting me knowledge in these different functional areas within marketing and being able to, you know, call those together into a um, into a sort of meaningful place. And I, you know, I, I will always say that operations to me is my, you know, 
deepest, truest love um, in marketing. And so that's my area where I sort of went deep. But um, but I do, you know, it was important also to get exposure in the, in the sort of other functional areas, whether that's whatever it meant to Banja. That's awesome. That's great. No, it's, it's like I said, you know, people, I, I think, you know, folks love to hear like, you know, you're in this amazing role today. Where did you get your start? And, and what I always try to tell people is like, you know, pe- people don't kick it off like saying, hey, I want to go be in RevOps and then and then go from there. It's very rare to see that. Um, and and it's always OK to to make that shift in your career if right. you think it's a path that's going to be good for you. Exactly. Um, and as you as you as you talk to others and you network and, and you think it might be a good fit for you, you know, take the step of, of trying to find that first role or you know, ask internally at the company you're working at, you know, hey, how can I move into doing this or that yeah. uh, and align it to things that are operationally focused in, in, in sales or marketing or customer success or partners or whatever it might be that you're, that you're working in today uh, and see if you can, you can make that shift for yourself. Totally. There are actually, there are two pieces of advice that I, I tend to offer up to people that I think certainly will help or helpful for me. One is thinking, Long term, as I mentioned that conversation, like not where do you want to be tomorrow? Because I find that especially early in your career, there's a lot of different directions that you can go. If you have to find, you know, hey, 10 steps from now, here's where I want to be. That helps to narrow your focus. So if I've got 15 options in front of me for all the different areas I might go into, what's the path I pick that doesn't get me further from that place I'm going to be in 10 steps? So that helps focus. Okay. Given, you know, path A or path B, I'm going to pick this path because it gets me closer to that long-term goal, even though these look pretty equivalent to begin with. So that's one. And then the other, and it's it sounds really basic, but I find that people are scared to do it. Just raise a hand, just volunteer, be vocal about, you know, taking things on and um, asking to help. And um, especially when it comes to operations, I think there's such an opportunity to just be curious offer up insights. And when I'm looking to hire people in operations, the question I always ask is, what do you get lost in? What type of work are you doing where you lose track of time? And I tend to look for the people that get lost in a really good way um, in seeking answers to questions that may not even yet have been posed, right? It's sort of like Mm. got this mountain of data in front of me and I want to just see what I find, like what patterns are in here and what might this tell me? And what does this mean about the direction the company might want to take or decisions we might want to make? And I found that some of my, you know, in my own experience in operations, some of my most um, impactful analyses were often just kind of out of nowhere, right? It was like, um, mm. like I've noticed an aberration here. That's weird, right? It wasn't a specific assignment or um, task or request from someone on the team, it was pure, hey, again, I'm sitting on this data. What am I seeing? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You know, just volunteer and and offer your insights and and be curious and see where that takes you. Yep. No, that's, that's, that's absolutely true. Um, let's shift over to, to Channel 89. So like, the other thing I love to talk about too is, is you know, in your role and, and what you're doing today, what are what are kind of the the revolutionary things that you see uh, that that uh, revenue operations, you know, marketing operations teams are doing um, that are that are really moving the needle and making a difference? Yeah, yeah, it's a really good question. So I think there's a couple of different things that that I see sort of on the horizon for 
revenue operations. And, and they all, you know, in some happy way, tie into what Channel 99 is focused on. Um, but one of those is the expansion and sort of evolution not beyond account-based marketing, but sort of the next phase of account-based marketing. And, and when I think about that, I think of, you know, transition from a world, you know, pre-ABM where volume was the expectation and the need with ABM, it was all about quality. And now we're, we're entering into this phase around efficiency, right? We understand that we're mm. targeting these accounts and how do we do it now most effectively and most efficiently? So I think there's a, a pattern and a trend toward being more, you know, scientific and data driven about being efficient, um, which is true, obviously, in a market like today, but also is true in, in sort of happier markets. Um, as people try and squeeze everything that they possibly can out of their their budget, so that's that's one pattern. Um, the other, and again, this is a this is a sort of uh, evolution, not a revolution, is um, an increased desire to have more accountability from from marketing, and mm. super exciting as we all know that marketing, I think, increasingly is becoming sort of the data center of companies, and we have access to the certainly the highest volume of data, but also um, then are being being kind of looked to to make sense of it. And so again, whether that's through, you know, marketing ops or a broader sort of revenue operations team, there's a, a need for um, the marketing team to be held more accountable uh, in terms of the quality um, that they're driving from their programs and their their efforts. So I think that's another kind of pattern. And then the final one, which seems disconnected, but can't, you know, we can't go without mentioning is AI, right? Um, yeah. We talked about AI, it feels like for um, years at the very least, but I think over yeah. the past year, we all know that it's just taken absolute, you know, step change, crazy leaps forward. And I personally, um, I'll admit, I waver sometimes between like pure horror and terror and and then real excitement. <laughs> And I tend to land more on the excitement side, um, but you know, I've I've had a nightmare or two about what this all means. But I do think that none of us are going to be able to be successful if we're not able to embrace the power of AI, generative AI, or or other forms of AI in order to kind of inform our business strategies and our execution going forward. So I pr I'm super excited about the sort of you know frontiers of of AI and and how we're going to incorporate that into the products that we're using into the you know, ways that we execute our programs and to the way that we interact with our customers. I just think it's going to be really uh, ultimately a very positive thing all around. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, the, there's, there's the scary part of AI where it's like, you know, AI is going to replace you. Right. So like, uh, you know, SDRs, you're not, you're going to cease to exist because AI is going to be able to do everything. And I always, I always step back and I'm like, there is something that AI can't do and it's, and it's nuance, right? right? Like, like how, how do you, how do you shift on the fly based on the nuance of a conversation? You need a human to do that, right? So like, sure, generative AI can create, you know, amazing, you know, cold prospecting emails. It can, you know, generate these amazing call scripts. But like, once you get somebody live on the phone, how, how, to direct that conversation in, in, in the direction you want it to go in, right. you know, requires human. Right. Um, and I, so I, you know, I don't, I don't think in any way our, 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 you know, SDRs or sales folks going to get replaced, but I do think they're going to get armored, you right. know, with things that AI is going to give them to help them do their job. 
better exactly. and more let efficiently. It be your, your point. Let it be your superpower. I mean, I think I think people really do yep. embrace it. And and um, I think part of it, you're right, there there can be a little bit of a fear of, is this going to take my job? There's another fear, the like sort of goody two-shoes side of you, am I cheating, right? And I think we have to get past both. <laughs> Right. And it's like, no, this is a tool that I I want to be able to leverage and to make me more effective at my job, better at my job, um, certainly more productive and um, and and to be able to use that power. You know, you bring up the word nuance, but I think that this there's a temptation to make this. You know, our answer to being able to be even louder and and to produce even more and that isn't always the answer right and so finding ways to use this to make you more productive to make you more efficient but not necessarily just to say and now your output can be 20 times greater because you've got a machine helping you so i think there's there's ways that you want to figure out how to sort of incorporate this into your into your strategy overall um and like i say and whether it's you know from an ops perspective how do we think about how ai is going to help us interpret data right and how do we think how it's going to, you know, you talked about operations as being uh, a field that's really designed around helping others in the organization. How do we use AI to help answer those questions in a more efficient way that we're that we're getting? And so instead of the, you know, kind of manual churning through that we might be limited with right now, you know, can AI be part of the answer for getting people the answers that they want in, you know, a faster time frame? Right. So all sorts and, and and by the way, every time I every time I, you know, attend a webinar about it or read about it or, you know, talk to the next company about what they're doing with AI, I come away with like, how did I think of that? I mean, there's just so many <laughs> applications of AI that are there is and cool. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I mean I think about I think about on the marketing side too, right? I mean, you you could have you know, AI could could ingest data in a way that'll tell you like, hey, here's the next place to spend your next dollar right. in the most efficient way that's going to get you the greatest return. Go, you know. Yeah, I mean, you've unlocked it. I mean, if not to, not to open up the kimono too much on Channel Ninety Nine, but that's exactly how we're thinking about it, right? It's one right, right, right. Able to look at the past. It's another thing to be able to. Um, predict the future and so how do we leverage ai to be able to to be more predictable to be able to say the question that we're often asked right as marketers are, are forced to deal with is hey i need to cut a hundred thousand dollars how am i going to do that with the least impact or more happy? yes here's an extra hundred thousand dollars how are you going to have yes impact with that? right i mean those are like the most common questions in the world that we get and we can sort of like guess at it right now but can you imagine being able to harness this massive swath of data that we have not just in you know internal our own company but across companies and looking at companies that are like ourselves and be able to use that to build these sort of predictive or what if models i think that's just so incredibly powerful because that's what companies need right is that predictability um and that that ability to kind of scale and understand where our dollars are are going and and then again, you know, we talked about accountability to be able to identify where are we wasting dollars and and how can we yep. cut back on those. Yeah, it was. I remember there was a there was a VP of sales I worked for at one point um, where we were going into a, an economic downturn, and you know, he he made the comment to me. He's like, boards don't. You know, of course, of course, everybody wants to grow, right? And of course, you you know, you want to see numbers go up and to the right. 
But if you're going into an economic downturn, things are going to flatten or they're going to go down, right? And he said, the, he said my import, most important job as a, as a VP of sales or as a chief revenue officer even mm-hmm. is predictability. Like I just, I just need to be able to tell my board, you know, here's the direction we're going and then go in that direction, whether it's up or down, because that, that is what allows, you know, organizations to really effectively manage and plan longer term when, when, when you have somebody on the sales revenue side that can really be, uh, excellent at predicting both good and bad. Exactly. Exactly. No, I mean, I think that's so true. I think predictability is, it's such a, um, it's not all that sexy to think about because you're right. You can be predictably flat. You can be predictably downturning. Um, but I think having that warning, uh, is incredibly powerful to put in. And it depends a lot having a well-run, um, operations team, right? And the output of that operations team, because it goes, it's really basic stuff again that, you know, how do we define stages? How do we understand our close rates? How do, like, if things aren't sort of, um, foundationally correct. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And none of the data matters, right? Then, then, you know, if I've got one rep behaving in some obscure, weird way, that's remarkably different than the other rep, very hard to compare and understand, okay, at a holistic level, this is what we're going to expect in terms of our, you know, sales funnel. And so it's little things like that, that um, can feel frustrating or even annoying to individual sales reps, but it really matters when you're trying to to predict what the business overall is going to be able to do. Um, yeah. And, then, you know, and on the marketing side as well, right? I want to understand exactly what's going to happen when I work with this particular vendor on this type of a channel. And, you know, we're, you know, putting a content syndication piece out. What does that mean in terms of the numbers that I would expect? And how do I make sure that I'm, you know, we talk about process, right? That, you know, that I'm getting that information over to my sales team to be able to leverage it and make use of it and sort of predictably yep. spit out pipeline and revenue from. Yep. And even at the other end, how do you market to your customers so that they renew, so that they upsell? You know, it, it's, it's both ends of the funnel, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. And I, I think I, to, you know, go back to the AI stuff, but I do think that there's such a, it's not that customer marketing isn't appreciated because it is, but I found that it's more nuanced when it comes to measurement, right? Because it's mm, not like, yes. there's not a sort of like, ah, here at the beginning, our very first, you know, time we ever interacted with you and then, ah, and we converge to close. There's, there's much more nuance when it comes to an ongoing relationship and expansion. And, um, and I think that that sort of level of data or insight is, is critically important for companies mentioned the downturn again, but a lot of companies are about protecting revenue right now rather than building revenue. Yep. And, yep. Um, and so, you know, our, our relationships with our customers become ever more important. Um, they're always incredibly important. They're always the foundation of a company. But right now, if there's a way to elevate that and escalate that, I think it's, uh, it's, it's happening. Yeah, that's very true. Well, great. Well, um, is there anything else you would love to to leave listeners with? I think, um, you know, I think that the the future in revenue operations is bright and always will be bright. Um, I think that there's power in data and understanding, you know, how to predict our businesses uh, and and how to grow them effectively. And um, and so, you know 
keep on keeping on. I realize that's a little bit of a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah this. Leverage your community. Leverage your community, right? Like yeah, yeah. This is a great community. We're all in this together. <laughs> I'm always happy to nerd out with people. Um, yep. any, anytime you want to chat about kind of you know the numbers game, I just think it's been fascinating. And like I say, you know, be curious and and keep pushing the boundaries. Awesome. Well, Nani, thanks very much for your time. We really appreciate you joining us on the Offsource podcast. Again, it's uh, Nani Schaefer. She's a CMO at Channel 99, a B2B performance marketing platform that brings the marketing side and the finance side of the house to improve the value of that marketing investment. They're at uh, channel99.com. Go check them out. Uh, feel free to, uh, I'm sure Nani uh, uh, will be open to uh, you reaching out on LinkedIn. Uh, if you'd like to chat more with her about that or her experience uh, in her uh, career journey uh, in revenue operations. Thank you so much. The Opstars podcast is brought to you by Lean Data. To find out more about us and our suite of Salesforce native products for marketing, sales, and revenue operations, head to leandata.com and then make sure to search for Opstars in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Opstars and Lean Data, thanks for listening.